She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde Podcast and today I have a very special guest and very special episode and prior to this episode I've admired and I was a huge fan of my guest for so many years and the brand she has created and I had pleasure to partner with the brand in my blogging career as well so I'm super excited to share with you guys the story and to share this episode so my guest today is Allie Webb, and we are talking about the messy truth, how Allie sold her business for millions, but almost lost herself. Allie Webb is the founder of Dry Bar, New York Times bestselling author, Canopy president, co-founder of Squeeze, and also Allie has been seen on Shark Tank as one of the investors. In 2010, Dry Bar exploded into nationally recognized and highly sought-after brand, growing to over 150 locations and highly successful product line, which sold for $255 million in 2020. Staying true to her signature approach to beauty and self-care, Squeeze follows suit in affordable luxury space as innovative massage concept, Webb also proudly serves as a board member, investor, and advisor. Allie joined forces with LA-based jewelry designer Meredith Quill to build yet another new company, now known as Beckett & Quill. It's high-end, not high-spent jewelry company. So most recently, Allie joined the Canopy team as president, and Canopy is super chic, reimagined humidifiers that are making big waves in beauty industry and innovative beauty device category. Allie has been featured in so many great media outlets and New York Times billboards and also she has been on the cover of Inc. magazine How I Did This Issue named the 100 Most Creative People in Business by Fast Company featured in Fortune Magazine 40 under 40 list, Mary Claire, Most Fascinating Women, and recently Inc. Magazine recognized her as one of the 100 women building America's most innovative and ambitious businesses. This month, Allie released her second book, The Messy Truth, and it's USA Today and New York Times bestseller. So in today's episode, we're discussing so many great topics on how Ali created Dry Bar and what's inspired her to create such a huge empire. We are discussing the messy truth bestseller and also how to reinvent your personal and professional life with the goal of accepting your messy truths daily and what's the best way to get through the toughest challenges how is it important to invest in yourself? What's the best advice on branching out and franchising? How to pivot your business during times of disruption? And so much more. So many great topics, guys. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Ali. Welcome to Not Basic Blonde Podcast. I'm so glad to have you on. And I'm so honored, so excited 
So how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And it's so amazing how it happened to be, like you happened to be in Atlanta and... No, it worked out so well. I know. The book is launching in a week and a half or something. So yeah, timing is meant to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, I've been so... I've been following you for a while and also your entrepreneurship journey as well. And... You've been so successful as far as launching a dry bar and creating such a huge nationwide brand and so many great products. What was the idea behind it? Well, I mean, I've been a hairstylist for, gosh, since I was in my early 20s and I have naturally curly hair. And I grew up in South Florida where my hair was like frizzy and crazy. And, you know, I think that just this idea of hair, like loving hair, was always a thing for me, you know, and then fast forward to going not not going to college, attempting to go to college, not, not being the right thing for me, and then moving to New York City, and um, and then ultimately becoming a hairstylist, and like really falling in love with the industry, and loving, you know, hair, and learning how to blow out my own hair, and, you know, fast forward to many years later when I got married, had two babies, and I was a stay-at-home mom, and, and I really loved being a stay-at-home mom. I felt like I had, like, hit the jackpot, and was able to stay home with my kids, and it's a lot of work and it's the most amazing thing you ever do, but it's also so much work. And I think I started to feel very lost like I lost myself a lot. And so I was like, you know, I want to do something for myself. And at that point I had done hair for so long that I decided to start a Google blowout business, which is called straight at home. And that's really what ultimately would lead to dry bar because that's, I was only charging 40 bucks to go to women's homes. And I realized during that time that like, there really was this pretty big hole in the marketplace for a place for women to go for a great blowout and affordable price, it just didn't exist, you know. So I partnered with my brother and said, you know, I really want to turn my mobile business into a brick and mortar. Was kind of the idea, and we thought it would be like one little store, and that would be like my livelihood, and that would be it. But you know, we had no idea what it would explode into, and that was in 2010. Well, yeah, the brand really took off. It's huge. Yeah. And were you ready for this kind of success or you were not even expecting that? No, I mean, I don't think we had any. It was like on the tail end of a recession. And, you know, I think I had the instinct to know that, like, while women were cutting back on things like expensive cut haircuts and color, you know, a blowout at $35, which is what we started out with, like, would be something that I felt like in my heart women would do more regularly because it was inexpensive and it made me feel amazing. You know, we didn't have any idea that it would turn into what it did. I mean, that the fact that it took off and we were like book solid and from the moment we opened, like I would, none of us ever would have imagined it, not at all. And there was never like a plan at the beginning of like, oh, we're going to open 150 stores. I mean, we're going to open one and see what happens, you know, and then it just, it took off beyond what we ever could imagine. And it's still one of the best on the market and there are not many all places out there still. So yeah, it's not it's it's not as easy of a concept as it appears. You know, we saw a lot of copycats early on, people who were really mimicking what we were doing. And you know, some are better than others, but it was like, you know, my whole life has been dedicated to hair. Even when I was cutting hair in salons, which is what I did, I loved getting people haircuts so I could see so I could do the blowout. Because that's like when I really saw a woman come to life. That's when like she really like, you know, opened up and like felt really good about herself and, and I always loved that part of it. And myself, I always loved hair and gray hair. You know, it was just like, it was all so crazy. We, we, now, we never saw it coming, that's for sure. 
That's incredible. And did you have any background in entrepreneurship or? Yeah, my parents were entrepreneurs. My, my mom and dad had a clothing store in South Florida. So we, me and my brother, you know, certainly watched and learned from them as mm -hmm. they, you know, built their business. And I think that's where, where the customer service piece really came in for me. Like I really watched my mom as she like, you know, bent over backwards for the customer and they were always, you know, always with the customer first. And I just learned that mentality, which I think I didn't know I was learning at the time, but it was such an incredible lesson. And then working in hair salons, I, I worked for the owner of a hair salon, and this guy, John Peters, and he was amazing. And I was really just watching him to learn how to do hair. But what I didn't realize I was getting at the same time was like watching him run a salon, you know, and like how he interacted with stylists, how he interacted with clients, and like kept everything running. And again, at the time, I, I wasn't paying attention to it, but it was just one of those things that like naturally seeped in. You know, and then I had other jobs, like I worked in PR for a while. I worked in fashion and retail. I mean, I worked, I worked since I was 16 years old. And I think I know all of those jobs and all of those experiences, like uniquely prepared me, you know, for what I would ultimately do, which would be like run this blow dry empire. Wow. That's incredible. And I'm still a huge fan of products and I use products for so many years and I also partner with Dry Bar when I started yeah. to launch my own brand and yeah. also like one of the best products on the market as far as dry shampoos is still Dry Bar. So I've tried all. I tried all other leading brands, the best brands, the most expensive ones and they don't have the same effect. I know. So, it's, you know, thank you. I, I feel like that's you. It was one of the very first products we made and I, you know, I've since sold, you know, many sold products. Yeah. But, and I use a lot of different brands from different, a lot of different products from different brands. But I agree with you. Like, I don't try. I use the travel one. I use yeah. the brown dry shampoo, like, for my, when my roots are getting gray. And, like, it, 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 there's something really special about that product. I, I agree with you. It makes your hair so clean. And it, yeah. it gives the volume, too. Yeah. And it lasts. Yeah. And it's just, like. Well, and it smells good. And it smells yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. luxury smell. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And that was always our number one selling product um, forever. So, and also about your book, you have such an amazing book you just uh, written, and it's out now. It's released, and we would love to know more about yeah. this. What's the idea behind it? Because the title is very strong, and yeah. it's messy very exciting. Truth. Messy truth. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that I felt compelled. I feel compelled, I guess, in my life, really, to. You know, talk about the things that people don't always want to talk about or the things that they, that we don't. I mean, I think as a society, you know, we live in this, like, very highlight real reality. Of, you know, we show the best parts of ourselves, which I do, too. I mean, I think we all do it and we all want to look and feel our best and put our best foot forward by all means. But, you know, there's so much, like, underneath it all that's, you know, and for me, my story is, like, I was building this massive brand and, with my brother and my ex-husband and you know we were on this like rocket ship of success and it was so cool but you know underneath it all I wasn't really happy in my marriage you know I ended up getting divorced like around year six or seven of dry bar and you know we had had our two sons and right after that we had dry bar and so it was like you know our life was so crazy and, and it was a really exciting time we were building dry bar but I think when I slowed down and realized like this this marriage wasn't the right marriage for me. And so we separated. And then my son, my older son, kind of spun out and started doing 
into drugs and into rehab. And I was, and I ended up in depression. And I was like, what just happened? You know, it was like everything spiraled out of control. And, and you know, and I, I felt like I pulled back a lot from the public eye, social media. Not that anybody cares all that much what I'm personally doing, but you know, the followers and fans that I that were dry bar fans, people who were just like really proud and supporters of what we had built, you know, were inquisitive about what was going on. And, and the more I shared, and like the more authentic, often authentic I was you know, the more it re- I realized how much it was resonating with people. And there was this sense of like, oh, I'm going through the divorce too. And my kid's going through this too. And, you know, and it's like, I think there was some comfort in seeing someone who seemingly had it all kind of fall apart. And like the relatability to that was pretty powerful, you know? And I think all of that stuff in that time kind of fueled me to tell my story and to tell like the messy truth behind what you see out there in the world, you know? And, and I mean, I love like getting dressed up and, you know, obviously I'm, I really like hair and like makeup and beauty and fashion and all that stuff. But, you know, there's, there's just the other flip side to all that stuff. And there's been times in my life where I've, you know, been pretty phased out and sad and, you know, felt like, you know, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this time. And, you know, what my son went through was really horrific and, but, you know, here I am, you know, I came out the other side, as we often do or always do, I should say, you know, if we just kind of get the help that we need and support and love and all that, which I did. And so the book is like, you know, that personal story, plus like a ton of all the things that I learned, you know, all the life lessons, all the business lessons, all the takeaways, all the shit that worked, all the shit that didn't work, you know, the mixed bag of it all. You know, it's like, I keep saying, it's like, this book is like a business, a business book, and a memoir had to be, you know, yeah. it's like a little bit of everything. So I'm really proud of it and excited. I'm a little scared. You know, it's very vulnerable to put this all out there. But, you know, the handful of people who've read it have, you know, so far since it's not, well, I don't know when this airs, but it's 11-14 is the release date, um, have said that it's been great. So, you know, I'm just happy for it to be out there. And, and it took me a long time to write it. So I'm glad that it's it's done. That's amazing because it takes guts to put yourself out there and to share with the world all the bad yeah. moments. And because we see you as a huge success and extremely successful female entrepreneur who's like role model for all of us. And of course, not, not people don't even think that someone has yeah. like problems going on while they're still successful yeah. in the business. Yeah. And I had so many moments like this in life too. Even worse. I had to rescue my grandma from war in Ukraine. And I had to spend months in Germany while we were waiting for paperwork to bring her to US. And wow. she's bedridden. So she survived by the miracle wow. in the huge, in the war. Yeah. And so she's here now? She's here now. That's yeah. But I had so many crazy moments and before that too. Yeah. So. Of course, Instagram is different from reality because what we see on Instagram is always yeah. a beautiful picture. And we do want to put our best selves out there, like you mentioned. Yeah. But of course, everyone has so many challenges every day. Yeah, and I think it's important, you know, to talk about those things. Yeah. And probably for you too, as you have such a big audience and people really look up to you and you always look so perfect to put together. But to be like, oh, you know what, things are hard for me too. I think, I think especially, and maybe because I'm a mom and probably a lot older than you, you know, it's like, it's important, I think for our, our kids and this generation of kids and 
You know, I think my kids like kind of escaped it a little bit because they, when they were growing up, you know, iPhones and that got popular as they were like in middle school and high school. They yeah. didn't grow up with it the way little, little kids do now. And, yeah. You know, and I think that there's just this, like, we live in a world where, you know, like, especially with like all the development of AI and there's just so much stuff that's a lot to take for a kid. And, you know, you're again, much younger than me, but when, like, when I was a kid, there were no cell phones and like you went outside to see your friends, you know, it's like, I mean, I know it's like hard to imagine, but you know, and, and it's like, it was such a wholesome time, yeah. you know, and I think it's anyways, this is the world we live in and it's amazing. And I love technology as much as the next person, but to be able to show everybody that like, no, it's not always all great. And you do, you are going to go through hard times and you are going to go through times where you feel like you can't get out of bed and, you know, and that's okay. And it's going to get better. And, you know, so I feel like I'm lucky and grateful to where I, where I get to sit in the world. And, and I feel really, you know, for responsibility is the right word, but I feel like it's important. And maybe it's like this give back thing that I have to be like, Hey, let me tell you like how it really is. Like it's not at all that it seems all the time. How did you begin to reinvent your personal and professional life for this accepting the blessed truth? I, I you know, try, for me, it's like trying to not live in e either extreme. I think has been a big kind of life lesson for me and a little bit of a reinvention. You know, I think after you go through something that's really hard and challenging, it kind of softens you. And I think that's what's happened to me as I went through a divorce and my son just went out of control and, you know, and then, you know, trying to learn to have some more like calm and equalness and like not being so affected by the highs and so let down by the lows, you know? And so I think that like that has been a big part of my kind of healing evolution, if you will, of like, okay, you know, it's amazing when these amazing things happen, but like, It's not everything, you know, and I think living in the extreme makes it like hard to like bounce back when something is great or when something is really terrible, you know. And so I think learning to have a more steady and calm attitude has, has really served me. It's, it's something I feel like practice all the time. You know, you don't ever really get to stop doing the work, you know, mm -hmm. if, you, if you want to keep improving and evolving, which I do, you know, you're always having to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the hardest part when you have all this going on to still concentrate on the work and be yeah. your best and yes. be on the top of your game. Yeah. But sometimes you have to show up and you have to be there. Totally. I mean, it is, it is you know, this like balance of, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having a really hard morning. I'm having a really hard day, but I still need to show yeah. up to that thing. And like, how do I muster up yeah. the courage and the, you know, to do that. And, you know, for me, it's like, I have so many tools now in my toolbox of like, yeah. you know, meditation, breathing, you know, even if it's just like closing my eyes for a few minutes, like, it's like all, all these things that, you know, I can, and like having awareness and really center myself that in a way that I didn't feel. What's the best entrepreneurship advice you could give to women, like inspired entrepreneurs trying to launch their brand or just trying to start yeah. their own business? I mean, surround yourself with really great people, which, you know, it's like, I think what we, as an entrepreneur, I think we're very driven and we have this, like, you have to feel like you have to do so many things yourself and you're, you're in this world of like, I've got to figure it out. I have to find all the answers myself. And that's true. But surrounding yourself with people, whether it's like people you've hired or just, you know, your close kind of 
you know, close knit group of friends or family that can will tell you the truth about things. I mean, that's the other thing is like having people around you who aren't yes people. Having people around you who are going to be really brutally honest with you, and you can take it or leave it, you know. And which kind of dovetails into another piece of advice is like being really open to feedback. You know, if you can, you know, you can accept and you can be the kind of person that like your friends or your people you're working with or whomever can say like, Hey, I don't know. I think this doesn't work because of X, Y, and Z, you know, and you can choose to take that advice or you can choose to ignore it. But if you can at least get it from people around you, people can say like, I don't know if that actually works. You know, it, as opposed to creating an environment where people are like scared of you and don't want to tell you anything, you know, and, and I think often we're on this like track and we're going or moving so fast that we're not stopping and like thinking about these things. But I think that that's, you know, a big part of it. And, and also I would say like, you know, walking before you run or crawling before you walk, you know, making sure that you have established a foundation of your business, that you're not moving too fast, that you're you know, making sure you have all your ducks in a row before you can move on to the next thing. And I say that in terms of like, if you're building a business and you're like, okay, I want to build this massive business and sell millions of dollars, you know, it's like, I mean, for me, that's not what I was thinking in the beginning, you know? And I just, cause I don't think money was ever like, and no money was never like a big motivator for me. It's like, I wanted to be doing something that I loved doing that I was happy doing. That was like truly the big motivator for me. And then, the money and all the success came later, but it was like, let me start this thing and see if I can, how great I can make it. And then move on to store number two, you know, it was never like world domination in the first store, you know, so it's like how, slowing down to speed up. Amazing. How does it feel to have a huge team, to manage a huge team, to be in charge of such a huge empire? Well, luckily I'm not anymore since we've <laughs> sold it, but man, it was a lot. I mean, it was like, it was a mixed bag of emotions too. I mean, it was like, there was stuff that was really amazing and great about it. And then it was like also really intimidating. You know, it was like, we eventually brought in like a professional CEO and something like a whole team of people, you know, to help us. But, and then there was great things about that. And then there was a lot of conflict with that too, because you're bringing somebody in to like run this baby of yours that you've built and developed and nurtured and loved. And now somebody else is coming in may not care about it quite as much as you do or at least the depth of what you do and so you know for me that was a big challenge of like learning how to delegate and give over control of certain things and it's not easy but it's important and um, you know what most entrepreneurs don't see at first blush is that it's it's incredibly freeing to be like oh let me allow you to go do the things that like I don't like doing and I'm not very good at you know and, and I think understanding what you're highest and best uses and what's the thing that you're actually really good at, you can allow other people to go shine things that they are, you know, and that's, that takes a minute because we want to control everything. And I think as entrepreneurs, there is a certain amount of control that we want to have, but when you can relinquish that control and allow other people to help and shine, it's a really beautiful thing. It's the hardest part because you kind of needed it from your soul and creating yeah. a brand you really care yeah. about and you adore it, but others just come into it and just yeah. like run it as a business. Right. So that's why they and, don't put yeah. soul into it. And that's the thing. I think that you can find people who will. And, and I worked really hard to, you know, for me, it was much more important, you know, the interaction, the, the like feeling I got from somebody after talking to them and understanding the kind of person they were versus what was on the resume. You know, it's like, if you get somebody at the door that has extreme passion for what you're doing and what you're building, they're going to work their ass off for you. And, and there's so much yeah. you can teach, you know, teaching, 
you know, enthusiasm and excitement and like love is, is much harder to teach than like a lot of other things, you know, and that was always kind of my stance on that. So what do you think? Is it important to invest in yourself? Oh, of course. I mean, whatever that looks like. And I think that looks like different things for different people. You know, it's like whether you're investing in, I mean, I think all of us, you know, as a society need to invest probably a lot more in our mental health, which is like, whether that's getting out on a run in the morning or a walk or meditation or a yoga class or whatever that thing is that like pulls you back, you know, preferably not with a phone, you know, where you can like have some time where you're like, you know, decompressing, whatever that looks for you. Like, I really love to stretch in the morning. You know, it's like, it calms me down. It makes my body feel really good. You know, I mean, I'm on the road now, so that's even more important. But like when I'm home, you know, I, I start almost every day out writing in a journal, meditating, take my dog on a walk, you know, and then my day kind of starts, you know I mean? And I think that that is an investment in myself and my mental health. And there's been a lot of talk over the last few years about like self-care and um, I am a self-care junkie, like all the facials, all the massages, like you name it. And we have a massage concept called Squeeze. It's actually open oh, here in Atlanta. Yeah. Nice. Um, which is like another business that we created since Strybar. But yeah, I mean, you know, all of that stuff is so important and, and definitely do that. But also like, it's like the mental health self-care and physical self-care and the, you know, emotional and, and mindful. And, you know, and I think that all those things are investments in ourselves that make us better in business and better to our friends and family. And, you know, and so if you're not doing that, you know, you can find yourself really irritable and frustrated and angry and tired and all the things that we are that make us not successful constantly. Yeah. I had eight years of IT project management before I started my really? own brand. Yeah. yeah. And when I started my own brand, I had no boss to tell me anything. I had no yeah, work hours yeah. that I had to like have set work hours. So I overworked myself and I was going and going and going nonstop and I resulted in burnout. Yeah. And after I had panic attacks, anxiety. So yeah. I had to get myself so many entrepreneurs go through that yeah. so did I you know and yeah. it is like it's a good point in that when you're working for yourself and you're so excited yeah. about what you're doing you're like no it doesn't feel like work and, and it does it a lot of the times so yeah. you're like no this is amazing and I don't it doesn't feel like work and oh, I think it's almost as entrepreneurs we have to force ourselves to like take some downtime and, and also like I, I find that and I'm sure there's you know some research to support this that when you're like in the shower or you're somewhere like where you can't have your phone you know mm -hmm. if you're getting your lashes done yeah. like I, you know whatever it is like then I, like when I'm doing that I'll listen to like a meditation or something you know it's like all of the carving out time to decompress it's so good for our brains you know that's why meditation has taken off the way it has because you know tuning turning everything off and closing it down is actually with our greatest ideas and thoughts. That's you know? so true because the times and the days when I try to take days off, I had like storm of ideas. You know, like yeah. why? Always when I try to relax. Your brain is like <laughs> your brain isn't on like yeah. overdrive anymore. It makes so much sense, which is why we think of things in the shower too. Yeah. You know, because we're we have the white noise and we're not on our phones and we're just like spacing out. Like I think there is something I read recently where it's like our our brains are meant to just be in that like creative free flow mode way more than they are, you know, which is also why I think like, you know, school should be teaching meditation. And I think there should be empathy classes of algebra. Like I have, you know, I have two boys and I've watched it in the school system, of course, 
I was a kid not paying attention to when I was going through school, but like, you know, the school of the worst. It's the worst. I mean, it's yeah. so bad. It's like, it's, it's such a broken, antiquated system yeah. and, and the results that we're seeing, you know, I'm, listen, I'm not saying that it's not good to get an education, although, I don't know. You know I got the most education after school. Yeah, me myself. too. I, mean, I, I, you know, I mentioned I didn't go to college, but I didn't do much in fucking high school either. You know, I mean, I was like, I, I literally was getting by and, and you know, and I need to say it, but it's, it's really the same for my boys. I mean, I have a son in college, which is funny that he's in college because he was like an okay student, but he got a football scholarship, you know, and, and that's a long story how he ended up in college and he really just went for football. And, and now he's, He's studying something he loves, which is very different than like had nothing that he did in high school. And then he has to do with what he's doing in college. He's studying theology in college. You know, he, he wants to learn about God and religion and Jesus. And that's that's like what he feels like is his calling and psychology and he loves writing. You know, it's like kids don't really get the, the opportunity to like explore what they really love. And I know that they don't know yet, but anyways, I won't be too far on this subject, but I feel really strongly that, you know, and, and I you know, I don't know really what to do about it, but I wish it was different because it would be terrible injustice. I went to school and I spent, I mean, luckily I had scholarships, so I didn't have to pay for university the full time. And But I had to pay for the last year, but I worked full time and studied full time. And all I learned there, I mean, I learned it all myself after when I launched my business. Yeah, you, yeah, you learn as you go. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing. It's like, I, even, even the... What I tell my boys is like it's more important to me. Your grades are far less important to me than like the relationship that you build with your teachers. Like yeah. learn how to talk to your teacher, learn how to like negotiate with your teacher so that you don't fail. No. You know, like I would prefer that you, you know, I might keep my boys have done that. Like they've learned how to like, I don't want to say charm their teachers, but that is a part of it. I mean, charming somebody is like learning how to have like a back and forth, learning how to negotiate, like all that shit matters, yeah. you know. And, and that was more of the messaging. And I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me on this and think that there are, you know, things that we are more important for us to learn in school. And, and I'm sure that's that's true to a certain extent too. But anyways, it is amazing how much more you learn you're on the job. I mean, I didn't go to yeah. business school, I didn't go to college, obviously. And um, I feel like I got an education in running a business through dry bar, you know, and yeah. and I think that like as a young person who's starting out in the, in the world, like, you know, go work for companies, like go learn what you like. Don't and I, that's really what, what I do, what I did, and I think that that was like my twenties, living in New York City, working at a PR firm, working for hairstylists. Back when I worked for my parents, and all of those things prepared me. You know, they taught me different lessons, mm -hmm. and and you take what you like, and you take what you don't, and you figure out the kind of person you want to be. And like, you know, it's like real world experience. Yeah, so. absolutely. Wait to pivot your business at the challenging times, at the time of dis disruption. Well, you know, I think being able to like be really objective about your business, you know, like if something is not working and like you tried and you tried, so then it's time to, you know, use your word pivot, change paths, like you know, figure out something that does work. You know, if you're, if you're kind of going down the same path that doesn't seem to be fruitful and working, it's like, what else can you do? I always use my good friend, I don't know if you know the brand, Olive June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my good friend Sarah Gibson Tuttle, Tuttle is the founder of that, and you know she started with nail salon, and she really she, I met her because she was a big fan of dry bar and wanted to create the nail salon with dry bar, and she did, and she created these beautiful salons, you know. But in COVID, when COVID hit, you know she had to close the salons like everybody else, and and she really pivoted into nail polish and things like 
manicure systems and now she's you know has this massive business yeah. and she's such a great example of the power of pivoting when you you know when you're faced with like an adversity and something you didn't see coming you know she started in salons that didn't prove to work mm-hmm. and you know with COVID and everything else and so she was like you know let me go into nail polish which I think she really ultimately wanted to do and has built this massive business around it you know so looking at your business objectively and saying okay this part doesn't work but this little thing might work let me go work on that you know and and I think that having enough awareness and that's like really where ego comes in and not having a big ego about your business and being nimble enough to be like you know what this part isn't working and I see it all the time because I mentor so many entrepreneurs and I can like I feel like it's much easier when you have like a zoomed out view and you're not in the weeds or something like they are but it's easy to pull out and say oh this is so obvious to me as an outsider this your business model isn't working there's this little thing over here that you're not paying attention to that I think could be the thing, you know, but, but as, and when it's our own business, we're so caught up in it. We're looking at it like this, that we mm-hmm. can't see the big picture, you know, which also goes back to like having great people around you can help you navigate into potentially a different area when, when it's needed. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I think that would be my advice is like, you know, don't be afraid to make a change when, you know, it's something that isn't working. What do you think, which kind of businesses are the most popular right now and are the most successful and the best to kind of start or invest or... Gosh, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, the world is changing so much. I think, you know, you know, retail has changed so much that, you know, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I wish I had a crystal ball and I think that, you know, we're seeing so many small businesses suffering right now, which is such a bummer. It's such a bummer to me how bad customer service has gotten everywhere and like the workforce is so messed up. And, you know, you know I'm kind of torn in this like new age that we live in of like everybody working from home. I don't think it's healthy. You know, I think like a little bit here and there, like maybe you have, you know, one day a week where you work from home. And I know a lot of companies are doing that, but I think there's something really beautiful and powerful about being with people. Yeah, you know? yeah I mean, there's, there's just a difference from having like a FaceTime or a Zoom or whatever yeah. than having like this. You know, because like so much more happens. You're connected in a different way. Yeah. That human like connection is so powerful and it's we're not practicing it anymore because we've gone into this like, oh, we can work, you know, companies like, I don't have to have an office. We can work from home. But like, I just, you know, I feel like it's hurting us and I think that they're there needs to be, I think the pendulum needs to swing a little bit more back to that. And, and I think that that would help, help the, like boost the economy. And, you know, right around the time that the Barbie movie came out and Taylor Swift was on tour, you know, and in like, there was, you know, the, all the movie was like joking, but it's not, not, not a joke that like Taylor Swift and Margot Robbie brought back the fucking economy, you yeah. know, which, you know, it was actually quite true. I mean, so many people were going to the movies again, which they hadn't been for years. Mm-hmm. People were going to concerts. And think about those two isolated events. It was people coming together, you know, and that was like fueling the economy, you know? So I feel like, like, even like right now, you and I are both going to this Elevate conference mm-hmm. and Skittles is hosting. It's like, I think that like, that's what's missing in the world right now because we, you know, we're all got so scared and, Life was so scary for a while, understandably, and there was so much tragedy around COVID, but like, 
it, I feel like it's time to get back. Like, let's start seeing people yeah. again. And let's like start connecting again. I think that's like what we're made to do, you know? So I don't know answer your question. What businesses are, are thriving right now other than ones that are, you know, being bold and innovative. You know, I think that's, what's really needed right now. I like your, that was such a great point because you said, I remember 2019 being so busy for me too, as far as like my brand and partnerships and all that. It was extremely busy. Yeah. It was right before COVID and we had so many events, so many conferences yeah. to attend. Mm-hmm. And then people stepped back because of COVID, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we miss it, like being yeah. with people. And know? also, I did partner with Warner Brothers for Barbie movies, so I did a campaign oh. with them. Oh, and it was my dream because I, when I was little, I, I dream of Barbie and I kind of manifested it because I didn't know I would have it. And yeah. I was going home and on my way home, I was actually dreaming about it. And I came home and it was right there. Yeah. I did not know it will be there. I did not know my wow. parents were planning on getting me Barbie that day, but it happened to me the same day I was thinking about it. It was there. Amazing. Yeah, and it was like always the idol for me is kind of like, yeah. You know, from childhood, it was like my dream, and then the Barbie movie came out, yeah. and it was like, wow, that's crazy! I loved it so much, and like you said, it did bring so many people together, and it just made everyone to go to the movies. And, and even like now, I'm sure you've seen the Taylor's the Taylor's yeah. in the theaters, and you know, my like my my best friend took her daughter, and like, and she was sending us videos, and like all these little girls are dancing, yeah, and I'm like, this is so beautiful, amazing, you know, and and anyways, I think that's like. It's a, it's it's a sign of hopefully what's to come. That I think that's what we're missing. You yeah, know? I think so too. What's the best advice on branching out and franchising? Well, you mean if you're if you have a company and you want to franchise yes. it, and you want to branch out or expand? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're kind of living that right now with Squeeze, which is the massage concept I told you about that we started right before COVID and then ended up having to shut down because of COVID, and now it's back up and we've sold like 80 or something units across the country. And obviously, you know, it's the same founding team as Drybar, so we have a lot of momentum and whatever from Drybar. But, you know, I think like proving the concept of your business. So if you're, if you have a business, and, and it's interesting to me because I hear a lot of people want to franchise a brand that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. That's, I imagine that's harder to do. And I, it doesn't mean you have to be Drybar to do it, but I think that you need to find like, a way to, you know, make your business stand out more than others. Like, why would I want to franchise your concept if I go to my concept, which is really comes down to building a really strong brand. You know, I think that the reason people wanted to franchise Drybar was because there was like this secret sauce that we mm-hmm. created, you know, that and products too. And yeah. I mean, you could create your own low dry bar. You could open up a, you know, a salon and put some salon chairs and do it. But like, Good luck. It wasn't easy to do it. It wasn't just because of me. It was like we had this amazing architect. It was like my brother, Cam. Like there were so many people that went into the driver what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't just like this like flippant idea. It was like so many things, even like the tufting on the walls. Like that is there for like sound, like to pick up sound, sound absorption. You know, it's like every little thing in driver was very, very thought out. It's like it, you would know it coming in, but but it was. And so when the copycats were trying to do what we were doing, I'm like, it's just not that easy to emulate what we're doing. Anyways, all this is to say that if you're developing a brand, you know, and you wanted to see something that will eventually be franchised, like make it really special so that 
it's not easily duplicatable, not the way that you're doing it, you know. And that was that's really what we found in Squeeze. Like we built our own, you know, proprietary app. Like everything on Squeeze is like you chip on the app, you pay on the app, you book on the app. It's highly customizable. Even though you go in and get a massage in person, everything is done through the app, which we custom built that, and nobody else has that, you know. And so that's what part of the thing that makes. Squeeze really special. Why we've sold eighty units already. It's it's like that's one piece of it. And the way the shop looks and feels, and all the surprises and delights. And just the beautiful team that Brittany Driscoll, our co-founder and CEO, built. It's just you know making your making your your business really special and unique, which is always my advice. Anyways, to entrepreneurs of like you know what are you doing different and better than anybody else? You know and that's what's going to make you stand out, and that's also the same thing that's going to bring people in and say, I want. I want to own that business. Like I want a piece of this. I want to take what we've built and put it in my city. If it's not special enough, they'll go do it themselves. Yeah. And was squeeze concept. What's what's different about it and how did you come up with the idea to create it? Well, we were, you know, my brother is bald and can't partake in blowouts, <laughs> you know. He but we and we've both always been big massage goers. Like I love getting massages, mm-hmm. like one of my favorite things. It's like a lot of people's favorite things. Yeah. And, you know, like dry bar, we found with massage there were two holes in the market. It was like a big hole in the market. There were two options. There was like your spa, like a hotel, mm-hmm. which is very, very expensive. Or there's like the discount chains, which kind of suck. Decor is not great. The whole booking system is a mess. Like there's just so many things that aren't great about it. And we started thinking, like, why isn't there something in the middle similar to dry bar? Like that you get a great massage for an affordable price, but in a really cool, amazing place. And we thought about, just like we did with Dry Bar, what are the things that the current massage landscape is missing? Well, you know, and I wish we had had this for Dry Bar, like being able to book a tip on the app, like, or if you ever went to SoulCycle or Uber, you know, it's like, you just, you book the car, you book the, the bike, and then, and then it's done. You don't have to think about it, you don't have to pay, like... And so with Squeeze, you know, you book on this app and so you walk in and you tell them your name, you sign a one-time waiver, and then and your massage therapist knows all the things that you, in the privacy of your own phone, put in. And you have this beautiful massage and then you just, you know, and we, you know, made the rooms really customizable, like, and you do, again, that, you pick all your customs, like, for all your preferences, I should say through the app. So it's like, you want the bed heated or not heated or no or lotion and the music you want, the temperature of the room, like, you know, not to mention the parts of your body that you like massage. You don't like massage. Like, do you like firm? Do you like, you know, soft pressure? Do you like, I mean, it's like, if you go on the app, you'll see the whole body is there and you get to like uh-huh. choose what you want. You know, and again, we looked at what everybody else was doing and what we personally wanted because like most successful businesses are personal necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, that's really what it boils down to. And, and that's what we created was this, what do we want? What is missing in the marketplace? We're doing a lot. So now it's in all the major cities? Not there, they will be. Right now we have one open in LA, one open in Nashville. Atlanta is, by the time this airs, it'll probably be open. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona, I think we're in. I think there's, there'll be, there's like four or five that are open physically. The rest are being built. There's about 80 
said, what? You know, it was such, I was so shocked and I was so flattered and scared too. I mean, I was like, I don't know, you know, and, and they, you know, brought me in and I went to a day of taping to see how it works. And I met, you know, Mark and Mr. Winfield, all the other crew and, and those guys. And they were so warm and wonderful and they were so welcoming. And it was, it was a really cool experience. I really loved it. I keep asking them to bring me back. I'm waiting. <laughs> That's amazing. I love to see you there. Yeah, it was great. I saw the episode and it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was, it was definitely one of those moments where, like, I could never have imagined something like that happening to me. So it was really special. Nice. Thank you so much yeah. for being my guest. I appreciate you Thank you so much. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB Podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB Podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day.